Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing? So glad you joined us. Happy New Year, man. So glad you, last Sunday of 2017, you chose to be with us, be with me. Thank you so much. A lot of energy, you know, exists as we kind of finish out one year, you know? And uh, we maybe consider what's coming. For 2017 was an amazing year here at Cheer City Church, you know? Uh, we completed a major renovation of this facility, right? In a way that was beyond our expectation. We relocated from one location to another location. We did it seamlessly, kind of, right? <laughs> you know, we, we saw people's lives changed along the way for the better. And we did. People, people who weren't coming to church started coming. People came to know Christ. We, we grew. We, we just about nearly doubled in size. And because of that, we've made new friends. And I'm so glad about that. I'm so glad for that. So, uh... 2018, it looks good, you know, we'll be talking about that in the coming weeks, but I'm excited for it, it looks good, God is great, he usually does things, I'm sorry, he always does things beyond my expectations, beyond our expectations, right? It's Ephesians 3.20. Now many of you are in a similar place, you're, you're kind of pondering and you're looking back at 2017. I mean, you might stop, pause, and really dwell on it, or it's just kind of kicking in and out of your mind, right? And a lot of us are in this reflection mode, you know? What happened, what was, what should have been, what could have been, what could have been different, how this or that could have changed in 2017. Even for me, it was a phenomenal year in what was accomplished, but without question, there were pockets here and there, and even in some really meaningful areas, I'm like, wow, I, I wish that would not have gone the way it did. I, I would like to see change in that area in David Trelongo in 2018, yeah? Now some of us even make lists, you know, as we begin to consider such thoughts. You know, it makes it more legitimate. It, it does something for us to make that list. We call them resolutions, right? The, 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 the items on that list. Now, I heard, I'm starting to hear them already pop up here and there. People like to share them with me. One, <laughs> Uh, I heard this kind of indirectly, was someone said they were going to stop buttering their donuts in 2018. And the, cyn the cynical part of me crept up, and I'm thinking, yeah, like, like that's the tip of the iceberg, man. If, if you're doing that, there's a lot of other stuff going on, right, that you, need, you should be talking about. But then I thought, you know what, good for them. After, I, after the godly part kind of came up in me and minimized the cynical part of me, I said, you know what, they probably got it. At least they know they, maybe they could do that. You know, sometimes we... We have this, you know, the, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we set out on our own, and it, what is it, something like 8%, less than 8% of all resolutions even make it past January. So maybe buttering the donuts is something they're like, I can do that, you know? I still get my donut, I just put the butter on the side, right? Listen, the key for 2018 to be better, to key to making the changes you know you, wanna, you need to make, is that you're not going to rely on your willpower, on your determination, but you're going to rely on a higher power. And that's why you're not going to be in the 8%. You're, going to be in the, you're not going to be there. Actually, I guess you're going to be in that 8%, but you're going to succeed is what I'm trying to say, getting all the numbers. I mean, it's going to be because God is working through you. You're not going to rely on your own resources, on your own way of thinking, huh? on your own routines, huh? You're going to trust in God, and it's going to be His power working through you. You're going to invite and involve God in all areas of your life in 2018. 
you do well, obviously, on Sunday. This is the least attended Sunday of the year in churches. You did good. I'm so glad you're here, <laughs> you know. And so you got that, but now you want to involve God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And for some of you, especially Friday night and Saturday night, okay? Listen, things might not have gone the way you planned in 2017. Now here's a promise. Whether you want to change, and I think we all do want to change those things in our lives that disappointed us, hurt us, that are disrupting us. Here's the promise you can take to the bank. From the smallest change to the biggest change, the promise is 2018 can be your comeback year. Yeah. And that's because we have a God who's a God of comeback. He is. 2018 should be a year where you become greater. I live every year from that lens. I'm going to be greater this year. There are years where I'm really on it where I actually write out my little resume, <laughs> you know. I'm going to be greater this year. I want to be better this year. And then there are those things where I just need to be better. I know if I'm honest with myself, I need to be better. This has to change, otherwise there will be consequences. I wanted to change this year. Psalm 34, 17 says this, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Listen up, God will rescue you from the problems. Just look to him, call to him, cry to him, invite him, involve him in what's going on in your life. He is a God of comebacks. And you guys know a lot about, who knows more about comebacks than in patriot land here, right? You guys know all about comebacks. Comebacks are awesome, comebacks are fun, right? You guys live in comeback, you are comeback, right? That's it, man. Next week, we start a whole new narrative, okay? Go Steelers is right. We have a God that no matter how far we are, hence Steelers, no matter where we are, He can bring us back. And He does this. We know this because we've seen it in our own lives, perhaps, or we've seen it in the lives of others. This church is saturated with examples of this. But more than anything else, we know this because we read it in the Bible. That's that book, that piece of literature that has been around for thousands of years, that is the most read book every year, the most purchased book every year since they've been following that stuff, the book that's affected the world more than any other piece of literature, the book that's changed lives, built nations, nothing else like it, the Bible. It's credible. It's reliable. The Bible tells us that God is a God of comebacks. And there are some of these wonderful stories that exist here and there throughout. It's a thread of Scripture about people coming back. I want to share with you this kind of deep theological truth, and I'm being sarcastic, I'll let you know. If God can do it once, God can do it again, right? If God has done it here, he will do it there. If God did it in her, he's going to do it in he. If, if God did it in them, he's going to do it in us. God can rescue you. God has rescued me. So that's why I look for every year to be greater, not because what I think I can do, but because what I know he's done in me. I expect to be greater every year because I expect to grow closer to God. I expect it to be more of him and less of me. And that will just keep going till my time here on earth ends. There's no settling. There's no satisfaction where I've arrived with God. Because I'm me. And as long as I'm me, I'm going to need more and more of God. I want you to believe 
this morning that no matter what your list of resolutions are, God can make the changes you need to see happen in your life in 2018. And you need to see a change happen in your life, in your relationships, with God and with others, within yourself. Now, the first thing that he can help us change is our mistakes. Go toss out three things today quickly, and they cover a lot of ground. But God can help us change our mistakes. A lot of us made some mistakes in 2017. I don't mean like less serious mistakes, like, you know, parking in the wrong place or thinking the Red Sox were going to be better than the Yankees. No, those are like less serious mistakes. And we were better than you. Mistakes that had an impact on our lives, that, that affected us. Things we might have did wrong, but we want to change that. We don't want to do that again. And we even want to deal with what the ramifications that came from those decisions. We want to make changes in these areas. We see in the Bible there's a man named Peter. Some of you might know him as Saint Peter. And, and he is in the habit of making mistakes. He actually makes several mistakes in a short period of time. I call it he was in a rhythm of making mistakes. You ever do that in your life? You're in this rhythm where you're just making one mistake after another mistake. We see Peter doing, we see Peter getting called out on water, and it's just, that's, that's pretty impressive. He steps out on the water, he starts to do something good. God gives him this opportunity, takes his eyes off Jesus, he starts to sink. Jesus brings correction. Then sometime later, Jesus is telling his followers, hey, I'm going to be crucified. Peter corrects Jesus. Jesus calls him Satan. There you go. Then we got Peter. They're coming to arrest Jesus to now see God's will through in Jesus' life. Peter goes to chop off a guy's head, misses his, I'm assuming he wanted to chop off his head, and misses, catches his ear, Jesus picks the guy's ear up, puts it back on his head, it's a whole thing. And then most of all, what he's known for most, the greatest mistake that he's known for is when Peter then, while Jesus is being beaten, tortured, uh, Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. He abandons Jesus that's a mistake, huh? In John chapter 21, it's a, it's a great chapter in the Bible. I, I just encourage you to go home and read it. It's a beautiful chapter in Scripture. It's just a beautiful chapter in any piece of literature, in any book in the history of the world, when you look at relationships and what happens in that chapter between Jesus and Peter. But what you see in John chapter 21 is, is Jesus now. He's a resurrected Jesus. He's been crucified, died, risen from the grave, and now he walks. And he comes to meet with his followers, and he has this special conversation with Peter. And it's a precious and it's a powerful discourse. Many call it the restoration of Peter. And what's happening there now is Peter, the Peter who charged out to say, I'm better than all these other disciples. I love you more than any of the other disciples. He's charging out to tell God what to do and what to build and who Jesus should be and on and on, who's cutting people's heads off. This Peter now, he's, he, he's pulled back. And Jesus here is bringing him to a place of humility. In this conversation, most of it in front of everybody, the other followers, Jesus is now sort of kind of, I wouldn't even call it subtly, he's just bringing Peter to a place of humility. He begins to sort of somewhat remind Peter of particular things in an indirect way. And what does Peter do? He stops and he says this. He says, you know, Lord, Lord, he says, you know all things. You know that I love you. It's not what I know. 
It's not what I can do, it's what you know, and you know that I love you now. And that begins the process of Peter's restoration. That begins the rest of Peter's life right there. The change comes on Peter. It's there. It's happened right there. Peter's like, it's not about what I can do. It's not about what I know. It's not about my mistakes. It's not about anything. It's about this thing, that you know that I love you, Lord, that I love you. And I know, I know more than ever that you love me, which is why I love you. I love you because of what you did for me. Can you grasp that this morning? Now, Peter goes on to, to live an incredible life for God. Difficult, painful, killed. Story has it they turned him upside down when he was crucified at his request. I mean, I'm not worthy to die the same death of my Lord. Flip that baby upside down. Most of all, he goes on to do something that's phenomenal. He actually, inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, Peter writes a letter that God uses in his Holy Scripture to give to us that's been read by hundreds of millions of people, I'm sorry, billions of people across these thousands of years. And in his book, 1 Peter, we find in chapter 5, verse 6, what Peter writes. 1 Peter 5, 6, Peter tells us, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Wow, that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, this is what I got. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, not your way. Don't focus on your mistakes. Don't focus on what you can do, because that's a vicious cycle, right? You focus on what you could do, the same routine, the same way of thinking. You make the mistakes. You just keep doing it over and over again. And Peter's saying, no, step out of that right now and submit yourself to God, meaning Submit that mistake. Submit the fear or the anxiety that brought you to that place. Submit that to bring it all to God. Most of all, bring your heart to God and submit it to God. Give it to God. And you know what? He will raise you up as he did me. This is my story, Peter. As he did me, he will raise you up because God has done it before. He'll do it again. And that's a great verse for you and for me in 2018. That's a great verse. We should own that verse. What do I mean by own it? I mean we read it again and again till it's coming to us without us even attempt. We don't even look it up in the Bible anymore. We're driving and it comes to us. We're walking the street and it comes to us. We're about to do something or make a decision and it comes to us, yeah? And, and we own it. We, we read each word humble. What does humble mean? You're so, we go word by word by word and every word begins to resonate in us and say something to us and reflect within us on who we are and we're able to be honest with ourselves and honest with God. huh? And now we can, we can gladly go before God, not hesitantly, not like kind of from an obligation, but, but willingly and gladly we can go before the throne of mercy and grace and expect great things. Because he's a God who does great things and has done great things. And we could say, here's our mistakes. Here they are, God. We submit them to you. Have your way. 2018 is a comeback year, and your comeback verse is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And in him lifting you up, you will be rescued, you will know restoration, and you will know redemption, which is a treasure to know, where God takes all the pain, all the mess, and he uses it for his glory through you to do great things in your life. Restoration, redemption. Whatever you've done, bring it to God. Submit it to God. And come back like Peter did.
we, we can not only know a comeback from our mistakes in 2018, but you can know a comeback from our wounds in 2018. Yeah. You know, those things that we carry from year to year. I spoke about this last week for a little bit. We carry these wounds from year to year, from our past. It could be last year. It could be two years. It could be in our marriage. It could be from our childhood. We carry these wounds, and it creates a, sh- it's a shadow for us. It's a, it's a darkness at times in our lives. It, it, it's not that it was our fault. It wasn't a case of a mistake. It, things happened to us. People did things to us. They came on to us, not by our doing. But today, you have hope. God can bring you out of that. You can come back from that place, that wound. The Bible tells us about Joseph. Uh, Joseph's a, a young man. He's a fairly a, an intelligent young guy, and he has these brilliant dreams. And in those dreams, it just happens to be that he's kind of exalted, you know, that he's a big deal. And he starts to share them with his older brothers, you know, and, uh, and they don't take well to it. And they're Jewish, they're not Italian, so it's not just Italians, it's the Jewish too, right? They pound him, man, and they, they come up with something, and they say, you know what, we're tired of this guy, and they decide they're going to just throw him in a pit to be eaten by wild animals. One of the brothers has a burst of compassion and says, you know what, let's not do that, it's too mean, let's just sell him off into slavery. Nice guy. Next thing you know, Joseph is in the land of Egypt, winds up in a house of an Egyptian kind of a guy who is uh, in leadership, if you will, a guy of a prominent position, Potiphar, and there, things seem to be going well. He's taking on more responsibility. Part of his wife accuses Joseph falsely because he was not taken to her of rape. And now Joseph goes to jail. And in jail, he's not treated well. And he tries to come into a relationship agreement with the people he's in with. He helps them, and they don't follow through. And it just gets worse, and he's in jail. And then time goes on, and to bring you to the end, Joseph, because he trusted in God, because he submitted his wounds to God. He didn't live in those wounds. He didn't live in that hurt. He didn't live in that mistreatment. Instead, now Joseph finds himself second in power over all of Egypt. Wow. And then the day comes when his wounds come back into his life. They try and come back in, and there's Joseph and his brothers, those same men, did this to him, that, that, that put him in a pit, that sold him off into slavery, that, that were responsible for him going to prison, losing those years of his life. Now they come before him. They don't know it's him at first. They're in need. They're in trouble. They're looking for food. And then they realize it's him, and they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> and what does Joseph do? Here's Joseph's response in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. It's an amazing verse. It's an incredible response. He didn't react. He responded. He responded what? From God. From what God had done in his life. He didn't react from that hurt. I mean, the Bible, the Bible says he was overwhelmed. He was, his emotions were like churning in him. Manage your pain, my friends. When people hurt you, when th- people do things that hurt you, pause and manage. It's still, yeah, it's going to hurt. You're human. God gave you emotions. But when that hurt comes on you, whatever it might be, the memory, the actual happening, pause and don't funnel that pain through just your emotions apart from God. Manage it through your spirit. You're trusting God and what he's done. And then you'll respond like Joseph did, huh? And you'll say, wait a minute. Okay, you did that and he did that, but this is what God has done for me, Right? 
And this is who God is. And I know that God has a plan and a purpose, and I'm going to stay on track to see that plan and purpose fulfilled in my life in 2018. See, here's the thing. Here's the truth about Joseph. The truth was he could let his wounds define him or he could give his wounds definition. See, he could have let his wounds define him, as many people do, somewhat innocently, unknowingly. We talked about that last week when we talked about identity, how people, what happened to them in their lives, their hurts, it, it becomes an identity to them. And they live from that. And the tragedy that that moment keeps going on in their lives and in some ways causes more problems than the initial offense. But Joseph said, no, my wounds will not define me. I will define my wounds, yes? In, in psychology, there's something called narrative identity. And I, I've tossed it out there before. You're my little classmates, right? Well, at least you're not paying all right? Okay. Hey, this narrative identity, what it's saying is that we, things happen to us in life, and I'm going to do, I really, my sister-in-law, she's a psychologist, so I, I'm going to give her a rough shot. She can grade me later on. We, we, we have these happenings in life, and we take on a view of them, and, and from that we glean a story into our lives, in our minds from that. We create a script, and then we live out our lives from that script. Everything that happens now, we translate it into something that's going to fit into that narrative, into that identity. That's what we do. And so this happened to me, that one did this, this took place, and that's now how, that's our story, and now everything's going to fit into that story. But Joseph says, no, 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 that's not my story. My story is not that my brothers mistreated me. My story is not that I was abused. My story is not that I was put in a pit. My story is not that I was falsely accused. No, that's not my story. My story is God had a plan for my life. God has done great things in my life, and that is what's going to define who I am, and that's what's going to define my story. Do you get that? Listen, Joseph chooses God, and he chooses a great comeback, and it's a phenomenal comeback. Remember, if God can do it once, he can do it again. This year, you can come back from your mistakes, you can come back from your wounds, and you can come back from your circumstances this year. Yeah, you got to come back from them. Every year, things come into our life, right? We lose our jobs, the economy goes down, things happen within our health, life just happens. Yeah, it does. There's going to be things that are going to come your way in 2018. You know it because it came your way in 2017 and 16 and so on and so forth comes out of nowhere, often we're not prepared for it, we don't know where, it just happens. And when it does, we kind of feel unprepared, sometimes incompetent, sometimes hopeless. We certainly don't feel like, oh, we're experiencing a comeback, do we? But the Bible has stories about people who came from the worst circumstances and had a comeback, another story. It's a guy named Job. Even people who don't go to church and don't believe in God might have a sense of who Job is, right? Job had a terrible season in his life. In one day, for the most part, one day, he loses much of his possessions to thieves, loses a sheep and his camel. That's a big deal then, kind of like his occupation, more of his possessions. His house collapses, and in it are all his children, and he loses all seven of his children. His friends turn against him. It's a bad day, man, right? And then his dear wife, 
comes into his presence, and she offers these words to Job for comfort. She says, Job, you need to curse God and die. <laughs> what a gal, right? Honey, thank you so much, right? What would I do without you? Okay, that's a bad day. Hey, that's the Bible, not me. Listen, okay, now some of you say, well, that, that, that just, that's a lot. That's not reality. But it is reality. Because, all right, maybe not all of that would happen in your life in a day, in a month, maybe for, in, the, in totality of your days on earth. But when that day comes and any one of those or anything that even remotely is close to that happens, it's a bad day, yeah? It's pain. It's suffering. It's difficulty. It can be overwhelming. Because these things have certainly they seem to happen at the worst times, right? And yet, sometimes there are situations, again, leaning to the credibility. Because if God did it then, he can do it again, right? Early on in my ministry, I was thinking this morning, maybe about 18, 19 years ago, uh, there's a woman who's in a church where Christian and I are ministering. And uh, in the span of a, about a year, give or take a couple of months, here's what happens in her life. I don't even know I'm going to get it. Okay, first she finds out her husband has committed adultery in their marriage. That's rough, right? I pack it in right there for me, man, yeah? Um, then she finds out, uh, then her, her condominium where she's living with her husband and her five children, it burns down. She has to leave the, their plate, their residence, and go into a hotel where they live for several months. Shortly after that, her son, who's about 13, I think at the time, comes down with infectious disease that they don't know what's going on, and he's in and out of the hospital, he can't be in school, and he's in home a lot. Um, after that, her teenage daughter gets pregnant. After that, or around there, her daughter-in-law commits suicide, jumps off a building. After that, her infant daughter, a few months old, dies from suffocation. It's one year. After that, she loses a job. She had a, a fairly prominent job, if you will. She, was, she had an executive position within a municipality. Very, edu very educated woman, and she had a strong position. She loses a job in an, in, in an unjust and unfair and terrible way. I, I had a good view of it. Not to do with anything herself, she loses a job. There's probably more. That's a bad year, right? But you know what? Today, 19 years later, the woman is still married to the same man. Well, I know they have a good marriage. Uh, her teenage daughter wound up being stable and, and, and now married to the man that she had children with, and they have other children. The son who had the disease came through that, and I, either he is a doctor, he's about to become a doctor, right? Um, she's no longer working for a municipality or in the business sector today, Somewhere down south, I know where she is, but I want to be careful, but down south, she's the pastor of a church, and she's likely preaching the gospel with all her heart as I am today, to God be the glory, right? Yeah, you see? God did it in her, didn't he? You think, how, how, would you how could you possibly recover from that year? From that year and a few, how do you do that? Well, she, I know, she turned to God, and every possible which way she could, Anything she could get a hold of, she just turned to God. I'm sure she would articulate it in a much better way than I am. But the point is, God did it to Joseph. God did it to her. God can do it for us, right? You see, she didn't go farther away from God. She drew closer to him. And Job 
refused to give up like she refused to give up. In the worst of circumstances, Job had this belief going on. He believed that his faith was greater than his circumstances. And I don't know if that's what that woman believed, but clearly it's what she was living out. But see, Job got it. He said, my faith is greater than my circumstances. And that's what you want to believe, walking into difficulty. Before difficulty happens, how do I, it's, I don't know when it's going to come, I don't know what it's going to entail, how do I get through this? You've got to today believe, going into 2018, that my faith is going to be greater than my circumstances. My faith in God is going to be greater than anything that comes into my life, because something is coming into my life to one degree or another. Doesn't mean you understand God, Job didn't, but you mean to trust you. And so Job has a comeback, verse 2. In Job chapter 42, verse 2, Job says about God, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Because <laughs> eventually Job came back and saw God's plan lived out in his life, like Joseph did. And Job is saying, man, nothing that you want to do can be thwarted. thwarted. You had a plan and a purpose for me. And what Job is saying is that God can do all things. God can work through all things. God can overcome all things. God can rescue you from all things, and God can give you a comeback in all things. God's done it once. He'll do it again. And today you want to you come before God and say, here's my list, God. Here is my list. These are the things that I want to come back from, that I want to see changed for the better and the greater in my life. So, I could finish up there, but I want to just go on for just several more minutes. Because I want to give you some steps. You know, I like the practicality of this sometimes. I, want to, I really want you to have a great 2018. What does that mean? I want you to know God in a great way. I want you to experience God's power in your life as you step out and submit yourself to Him in a way you never had. And that's for all of us. Because we want to get greater. We want to come back. We want to see God's purpose in in our lives. Joseph didn't just get through tough times, nor did Job. They saw God glorified in their life. So let's just talk about a few steps that can just get us going, that can help us kind of see our lives facilitate and this comeback. The first step is start believing. Yeah, believe that you do qualify for all of what I'm telling you. Believe you want to believe that you qualify for a comeback because of who God is, because of what Jesus has done. You qualify for a comeback. You want to believe that no matter what's going on, that there is hope. You want to believe that God will meet you where you are if you submit to him and that you are a candidate for a comeback. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 verse 26, it says, Jesus looked at them, his followers, and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Today, believe that you qualify and are a candidate for a major comeback in your life and offer that list of changes to God. Martin Luther King, a great man, said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the staircase. This is your moment today right now to take the first step within yourself, within that internal dialogue. You're going to take the first step. Before that ball drops tonight, you're going to take the first step and believe. The next step to a comeback 
is you got to let go. You have to let go. Now, some of you, it's just our nature. And I, I would suffer from this when I think back now. You think, I'll let go first, and then I'll believe, right? This is what we do. But you can't do that. You can't let go until you know you're going to something, right? you got to believe first and then let go, because now you're functioning from God's strength, not your own. You intend well. It's ambitious. You're determined. It's willpower. I know. I'll let go. I'll stop this, and then I'll start that. No, don't do that. Just start God. Just start believing unconditionally, wholeheartedly, enthusiastically, passionately about God. And then stuff stops. And then you let go, not unwillingly, not disgruntedly, but gladly and, and passionately and expecting great things. We're not saying that you, I'm not saying you're going to forget things that happen, reality, real wounds, circumstances, they don't exist. No, they do. But you're holding on to your faith and you're letting go of how those things affect you and how they disrupt your life and how they now are the driving forces and how you behave in your homes and how you interact with people you love and how you see your future. That's not it anymore. You've let go of that and you're holding on to God. You're believing in God and now you're ready for the comeback. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 to 19 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Where there is nothing, I will make something. You see nothing, I see everything. I see your future. I see potential. I see purpose. Most of all, I see my plan. Where there is nothing, there is something. Don't let your mistakes, your wounds, your circumstances keep you from a comeback. That's the great promise. Worship team, come up. So, as we close out 2017, didn't think we'd get here, but our last message, I want you to take a step today. I want you to take a step with me. I'm right with you. There are things that I want to see changed. I want 2018 to be a greater year. Not so much in what I accomplish, the growth of the church. Oh, man, you, I want to see that happen. Um, goals, objectives. I mean, I want Dave Trelongo to be a better person. The way I think, the way I filter things, the way I react, eh, respond to things. Huh? The way I feel who I am, you know, within my own skin. Uh, I want more peace. I want more joy. I want to be more positive. Uh, I want to be more caring. I want to be more gentle. I want to be more good. I want to have more patience. I want to be more loving. I want to have, it just, it's just, it's the spirit, man. I want to be greater in 2018. And I know if I do that, I'm right there in the center of God's plan because I am a candidate for a great comeback and I will see greater things in my life. And that's where you want to be. But now as you move towards that, as we say goodbye in a few minutes, I want you to leave you with this one last thing about seeing that comeback. You got to get intentional. You hear me? You got to get intentional. You know your pastor. I am crazy intentional, right? I, I drive you crazy. I'm so intentional sometimes. To the color, to the paragraph, to, I am intentional about getting things done and seeing things happen. I want you to be intentional right now. I want you to say to yourself, I, say with me, say, I intend to see a comeback in my life.
Yeah, and now how about this? We're going to set you up in the next 31 days, first month of January. So when January is over, you won't be with the majority, 90% people who have not seen their resolutions come to pass. You will be with the smaller ones that are seeing God work in your life, right? And it's not only going to get you going, keep helping you take the next step, and the next step, it's going to see you through the rest of the year. Here's how we're going to set you up. Next Sunday, we kick off 21 days of prayer. Now, some of you, when we say this, you're like, that's nice. Okay. And if you had a clicker, you'd click me right now. You do. You'd like, you do last, you know? See you right No, no. For 21 days, and when we do this in a way that it can be applicable, applicable it can be exciting, and you can interact with it. For 21 days, you get a, a, an email every day. It, it gives you prayers. It gives you scriptures. It, it shares words of encouragement with you. During the week, you're notified where there's going to be a prayer meeting, and you can come together with other people in homes and sit and pray with them, for them, for them, for you, uh, for the church. You can just glean into God in a different way because you got out of your routine and out of your environment, and it's the routine and environment that often clouds you from seeing you come back. Right? And so now you're going to... And you're going to have times of coming together and, and singing and praising God with even more people. Or oh, you're going to have time of where we fast. You don't have to. Where maybe for a day or two, you're just going to say, no, I'm not going to eat that day. And if you're buttering your donuts, God help you get in there, man. <laughs> but you're going to say, I'm going to put food aside just to dwell on God and draw closer to God and be more sensitive to the spiritual things in my life today, tomorrow. Meaning it's a dynamic 21 days. And when the 21 days are over, you're not going to be the same. You're going to have gleaned into God and know yourself more. Your change, your list of change is going to have been forwarded. It's not going to go backwards. You might even now see more things that need to be changed that you didn't realize. That's the good stuff, right? But now you'll be empowered to change, to make those changes. You see what I'm telling you? Because you'll believe before you even start to worry about letting go and what you've got to let go of. And then we end out the month with the beginning of our new session of life groups. These are the times where people come together during the week in people's homes to learn about God, to talk about God, to build relationships. Yeah, because there are things we can accomplish in circles we can't accomplish in rows. And we have seen people's lives change. And again, you're out of your routine, you're out of your environment, and you're gleaning into God in a different way. So this is the intent. I intend... See, when I said I intend to make a comeback, I intend to make a comeback. Hallelujah. I intend to jump into the 21 days of prayer. Today, I'm going to sign up. Before I leave, I'm going to go to the guest services table, and I'm going to sign up for the 21 days of prayer. And I'm going to be a part of it as best I can. Some might do every day. See, that's it. it's flexible. Part of this, I'm going to join others in prayer to come into unity. It's a powerful force. And then right now, I intend to join a life group. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to join a life group. There's probably 9, 10, 11 groups come out. I'm going to pick a group. I'm going to join it. And I intend to do my very best to be a part of that. That's how I am going to intentionally take advantage of my qualification and candidacy to see a comeback in my life in 2018. Be confident, my friends. Be confident. Be confident that Jesus has given his life for you. He did that. He did it for you. Jesus did that because he knew what was going to happen. He knew that he'd come off that cross. He knew that he'd rise from that grave. He knew that he'd have life, yes? And he knew it wasn't the end for him and it wasn't the end for you. He knew the battle had just begun. 
Jesus came back. Jesus is the greatest comeback in the history of the world. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and brought him back is the same spirit that lives in you today. Stand with me. Let's praise God. Let's worship God. To God be the glory. You are going to have a great 2018.